The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Welcome to the Miracle of Healing, where we come together every week to discuss and discover a roadmap to healing. I'm your host, Lisa Campion, and I hope you can join us since the world needs all the healing it can get. And we are healing the planet one person at a time right here on Mind, Body, Spirit FM. Hey there, this is Lisa Campion, and you have found your way to the miracle of healing. So glad you're here. Welcome. And if you are new to the show, extra special welcome. And if you've been coming along the journey for a while, I'm so glad to have you back. Today, we have a beautiful guest, and we're going to talk about really how to kind of uh, come into a new level of awakening um, using a variety of tools. It's There's a kind of a process of, she talks about, a process of accessing our awareness and living that's not complicated, but it really does require a shift from the ordinary thought-based and conceptual way of knowing the world into sort of a more non-ordinary um, state. So we're going to talk today to healer and sound alchemist, Holly Copeland. And she's just got so many tools in her toolkit that help us maybe access our heart, live a little more from our body, and access a sort of more direct and intelligent way of knowing, um, knowing who we are and knowing our place in the world that can cut out some of the hesitation, worry, and fear that we get when we, we're so addicted to our brain-based thinking process. And uh, she's going to help us really access our internal Wi-Fi system and, and connect, communicate directly with our soul-centered and truer self. So welcome to the show, Holly. Hi, Lisa. I'm just delighted to be here. Thank you for having me on. Oh, so good. So many um, excellent things to talk about. But let's start a little bit with how you started on your healing journey. Yeah, thank you. Well, I started where a lot of healing journeys start in the middle of what felt like the catastrophe. <laughs> and this was about five years ago. And I mean, by all rights, I want to say like I was living what anybody would call a dream life. I was living in Wyoming. I was working for the Nature Conservancy. I'd been doing that for uh, 18 years uh, as a conservation scientist, following my heart and my deep love of the earth and, and helping to heal the earth. And a number of things collided. One of them was a feeling of real in despair and environmental grief over the state of the mm -hmm. planet and a feeling yeah. like doing this for a long time. And it feels like it's never enough. Like whatever I do is never going to be enough. And we're just kind of going downhill. And that was like settling in my heart. And then in my own mind, you know, while I had actually like a beautiful family and this beautiful little community, I felt like there was still a lot of the spaghetti mind, just like, what is this thing in here? And all these narrative and all these voices. And how do I get out of that to find clarity and like sh confidence and trust in what the path forward. And, and while I'd meditated like a little bit dabbled in my um, high school years, cause I was always on the spiritual path. I'd never really been able to like actually do a sitting meditation and make that stick. And I felt really compelled to kind of go in and start to really dive in and like take the red pill. Like, who am I? What is this about? <laughs> And what's my real path in life? What am I really, you know, supposed to be doing? I was also feeling a sense of there's something else, but I don't quite know what it is. And then I got, and then I got um, really ill. I got mold poisoning. And mm. so I had a personal health crisis 
that was all kind of at the center of that. And all those things collided in about 2018. And um, I did a lot of work and I had a lot of help with teachers and I came out the other side super determined to bring all of what had happened and my own sense of well-being and healing that actually finally landed to help the world and to help others come into that place for themselves. It's so beautiful. I mean, I think, I mean, I'm sorry you went through all that, but I, I think that happens a lot for us, right? Like we have kind of these kind of crash and burn experiences or the real spiritual initiations, you know, we never choose them. No. Um, <laughs> why would we, how would, why would we choose that? Right. right. <laughs> but something comes and like just drops the bomb on your life. And, and then we have some choices about how we're going to put everything back together. Exactly. And, you know, at the time I had so many of the, why is this happening to me? You know, this feels like hell that I'm in. And at the same time now on the other side of it, it's like, I'm grateful to the mold because actually I see that it was part of this, uh, what needed to happen in order to create this shift in my life. And it's like Mm. kind of incredible to say that out loud (laughs) because of how painful it was and how Mm. our minds can't understand, you know, the conceptual mind can't wrap its brain around, but what do you mean this, I chose this or that this all was actually part of my well-being? But I really do believe that. I really do in the deepest fabric of my being feel that whatever is happening to us, we've called it forth to help us heal ourselves and, you know, and then all those that we interact with to be of service in the world. Yeah, I think so. And I, I agree. And I think like sometimes we need those those bombs that drop on our life as a way to kind of co- bring us out of the the discomfort of the comfort zone, you know, um, and, and kind of wedge us out of lives that are too small for us, you know, that aren't a reflection of who we are anymore. And, yeah, I love um, that I, phrasing, the wedging us out of the lives that are too small for us. It, that's how it yeah. felt. Yeah. Yeah. I've had the same thing happen and mine was mold too. So we have that in oh, common. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I, I'm a gardener and I really love mold fun- fungus. I'm like, you know, no, I'm like, no, I'm your friend. You don't understand. <laughs> and yeah. it was, it's been a, it's been a journey for me as well. So I get that. And so where do you find yourself now? Tell us where you landed on the other side of that. Where I landed on the other side of that is bringing these, all the practices that I learned into my daily life, into serving in a way that I kind of call unshakable joy. That's the place that it landed me. Um, But where it actually also landed me was in understanding, as my path continues to unfold, what, what felt like was this actual place of what I call inner rewilding. Like, that actually I was kind of domesticated and, and as you said, wedged in a life that was too small for me. And I had shut, I think um, we shut off, you know, the, the traumas in our lives actually shut off our our whole un- connection to the body and um, vibrationally where we're not awake inside, we are actually kind of dead inside. And so what is for me, what's happening is like a wilding or an awakening somatically in the body and all the tools I work with, the breath and the sound are all part of like waking up to this alive vibrational universe that's benevolent and here to support us into living a really full, rich, you know, 
thriving life. And, and my service is to uncover that and go into that more for myself and to help others as well in, in the world. Yeah, I think as healers, we always are called, it's like a calling really, to take whatever our personal train wreck was, you know, that that crisis uh, moment, healing crisis moment we have and let it sort of work its alchemy on us. And then we provide that, you know, or we want to help other people who are going through the same thing. 100%. Exactly. Yeah. So that's, yeah. that's where it landed me. And now that's what I get to do every day is you know, help people work with these tools. I will also say that I still have a deep um, connection to the earth and to the, you know, as, as a conservationist, environmentalist doing that work, I also feel very connected to and sympathetic with people who feel the hopelessness of the planet. And, and it's my mission as well and personal passion to help those people come into a sense of inner well-being so that they can feel and see the beauty of the earth. And one way that I describe this, it's like, it's like a falling back in love with the world. Mm. The, what I discovered in myself was that the, the grime, the filth on the lens that I was looking at and all that feeling of hopelessness was like, I'd actually fallen out of love with the world. I'd fallen mm. out of love with myself too. It's, it's both mm. and, but, yeah. but it's like the world just felt like we'd effed it up so much that I just felt, you know, and looking at all what we do to animals and, you know, my, my particular things that I, you know, feel bad about factory farming and, you know, and so it just felt like such a external catastrophe. How could I possibly really deeply love this world? And what I, what I, came to realize in my own path was that through this process of rewilding and clearing energetically my body and my being, I actually fell back in love with the world as it is. Not as I wish it to be 10 years from now when we finally fix things, not 30 years from now, but actually like right now to fall back in love with the beauty of the world as it is. Mm -hmm. I really feel like that's an essential part of, of my path is to, is to help people feel that and know that. That's so beautiful. I love that. And you, you work with a lot of different tools. You have sort of the energetic, the vibrational medicine, sound healing, breath work, Reiki, energy medicine. <clears throat> and then you also have this really super cool sort of technology that you use too. I, I don't see too many people blend those quite the way you do. I feel like people fall in either one camp or the other. Um, and they're both great. I mean, they're both amazingly cool. And I just I just got really excited by the way that you bring them together. So we can, can we talk about that, what that looks like for a minute? Yeah, I would love to. Well, one of the things is, so when I started out on this journey and I couldn't meditate, I, I discovered the Muse headband, which is mm. this incredible device that, you know, measures your brainwaves. So you put it on, it's a little headband and it has electrodes on it that, that measure your brainwaves. And the scientist in me, one, like I didn't even understand what it meant, like alpha, theta, beta, you know, so finally understanding that when we've got that crazy thinking mind, we're in beta. And if we mm. want to come down into a calmer state, actually, you know, if we can drop into alpha and theta, we can immediately access a calmer sense of ourselves in our in our heads, as it were. And this technology allows you the feedback to feel and know that. So you're mm -hmm. basically 
brief, what happens is you put it on and as you close your eyes and start to meditate, if you've got crazy thinking mind, you hear a lot of rain. And then as your brain quiets, it steers you and gives you feedback. So you start to focus on your breath, for example, and then the rain starts to quiet. So you start to get feedback as to what a quiet mind actually feels like. And that for me was like such a revolutionary thing. Like, oh my God, I actually can get help with what a quiet mind feels like. That neurofeedback was invaluable when I started meditating. That's so beautiful. I use neurofeedback too. I use a neurooptimal neurooptimal machine, mm-hmm. um, which it, it does a similar thing, and it really helped me recover from my long COVID symptoms when I couldn't couldn't think anymore, but think straight. But I I do love that, and and I think it's very hard for us, especially as Westerners, to learn meditation techniques because a lot of times we don't get training or we don't have enough support. We think we're just supposed to sit down and be able to quiet our minds, which right. doesn't happen. Sorry, no, it's one of the hardest things to do, right? It really yeah. is, it's like, I actually think, you know, just sitting down and trying to follow your breath is one of the most advanced meditation techniques. I actually usually start people with guided meditation. I think that's a much easier place to start. And then as yeah. your mind quiets, you know, you can venture into the waters of, of still meditation. But for those listening who feel like it's really hard to just sit and breathe, yeah, yes, you're right. It is really hard. <laughs> it is really hard. <laughs> really hard. <laughs> really hard. It's so hard. My parents were hippies and they took me to transcendental meditation when I was 10. Yes. And I know that's what you did when you were a hippie in 1974. Yeah. And yeah. Um, I've been meditating my whole life and I, was, I still think it's really hard. So so I would I want to try that. I think that's really neat to see to have that kind of biofeedback because your brain can't tell can't really self-regulate unless it has that external stimulus. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like yeah. training wheels for meditation, you know, and then you right. get good at it and you can, you know, you can let go of the tools, but you know, we, we often use training wheels to ride a bike. Why, you know, why not use these tools now that they're available for things like meditation and quieting our mind, which is like, there is nothing in my mind more important than feeling well in our heads, right? To feeling the sense of quiet well-being. Like nothing is more important than that. So I say bring on all the tools to support that. That's so cool. And I think it's like, it's really important. And as we meditate, we can kind of make that shift from ordinary worlds you talk about into the non-ordinary. And what happens when we do that? When Mm -hmm. we make that shift into this different way of thinking and or being without thinking? Yeah, what happens? <laughs> yeah, well, um, that's the doorway into discovering the essence of who we are, right? So if I were to ask you, you know, who are you, right, um, which I did with my daughters, my my twin daughters, one day, night at dinner, right? And I got all these answers like, well, maybe I'm a collection of thoughts, you know, and my mm-hmm. emotions in my experiences. I think many people think that. And yes, thoughts and emotions and experiences are happening. But if I would ask you then, who are you if you don't refer to the past, you know, and you simply come into, or the, you know, plan for the future and you simply come into what's here now, right? And if we drop down out of our heads, just into the space of the heart, you know, we can start to access a sense of presence 
that's more direct, right? So the conceptual mind will come up with ideas about what we are, but that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about the part of you that knows beingness directly as a sense of like, oh, there's an alive, awake presence here that isn't a thought, actually has nothing to do with thinking. And so that, accessing that, and then in which, you know, the the Tibetan traditions use the phrase, the ground of being, and I love that phrase. It's the ground of our being. It's the natural open space from which everything springs that we are. And if we can learn to access and feel that, it actually doesn't matter what thoughts are happening. I had this revelation in insight and meditation the other day. What you think isn't actually important. It doesn't have anything to do with who you are. So that's moving from the conceptual. And we're trained, by the way, as Westerners, to for everything to be conceptual. Like our whole Western school system is based on conceptual knowing. Like I'm going, my job is to gather as much knowledge as I possibly can about the world so I can like be successful, quote unquote, be successful, right? But like we aren't a collection of knowledge. That's actually not, I mean, that's ideas can be present, but that has nothing to do with actually what we are. And so in order to really know who we are, we have to step beyond the conceptual, the all the ideas and the knowledge that we've gathered and come into the space of just pure knowing, pure awareness, pure beingness, and learn to rest there. That's really, you know, and then, and then when we do, it's like something else turns on. It's a different, it's a different system, right? It's like, that's where true happiness true, lasting happiness that doesn't depend on anything external. It doesn't depend on getting a latte or what you had, you know, breakfast or what somebody said to you or whether you're going to get this job. It's like, that's, that's where that real ground of, of happiness independent of experience is found. What could be more important than that, than helping people find that, right? Yeah, I don't think there is anything. And I want to talk more about that and um, how that connects us to our intuition. But let's take a quick break. Hey there, we are talking with Holly Copeland today. And it's all about our inner rewilding. And, and how we sort of get back in touch with this um, more authentic and true self as we, as we let go of these um, ideas of who we think we are. We're not our thoughts. We have thoughts. We're not our thoughts. We have feelings. We're not our feelings. We have a body, but we're also more than that. And that um, space that you got into um, just before the break was such a deep shift out of the kind of thinking mind and into the beingness in the heart. It was so beautiful. Mm. Yeah. yeah, it's it's beautiful, right? How that energy, like when you make space for it and bring it in, it's like it comes rushing forth. Like, here I am. 
Yeah, I know. So I could feel it shifted me too. And I was like, oh, thank you. Like, well, it feels good to be there. And you, you, um, you know, talk about how this sort of connects us to our inner GPS and our intuition. And then that sort of helps keep us in that flow, right? That flow of calm and happiness and beingness. So is that how we get to our, our intuition? Yes, exactly. So intuition is accessing this other, this way of knowing, this presence that transcends that thinking and feeling, but actually is, you know, where I think, you know, we're connecting to the, to our, the web of consciousness that connects all of us that has all this deep, rich information, right? All the lineages, your guides, um, that you're, you have now um, this connection to all of that accessible when you step out of the office of the mind and into the space of, you know, the heart, which is the space where we connect, you know, with that intuition. And so, and that's the space, as you're, you mentioned the word flow, where you when, you, when you move into that space, then it feels like life is flowing through you not, and there's no more like pushing the river, but we like get in a raft and we start to flow down with it. We feel this current of life carrying us along. And what it feels like to me is it's more like we dip our paddle in the water and we kind of, we can adjust, you know, oh, I think this is, you know, this is where the river is calling me. And we, but it's more like we're in this, co we move into a space of co-creation with the universe and, and at the same time, so we can feel it and we can kind of co-create or direct with it at the same time. Is that what it feels like to you? Because that's, it's like hard to describe, but that's how it feels like to me. It's like we're autonomous, but we're, and, and sovereign, but we're also working from a larger place. Yeah, I think that's, that's exactly like how it feels for me. Was, and you said it so beautifully, um, that, that energy of life flowing through you and, <clears throat> And for me, it's also been really what connects me to my life purpose, you know, where, where I feel the callings to do the things that I do and <clears throat> as an expression of that, really, you know, in the world. And and for me, like when I've gotten in that, when I am in that flow, in that flow state, even when things, I wouldn't say they're effortless because it still takes energy to do things, you know, write books and run a healing practice and all that stuff. But there's there's sort of a life-giving energy to it rather than when we're, I think we're misaligned. We, it's just all that stuff we do that's not in alignment of who we are, so energy draining and we just get sick and depressed and, you know, and I, I think that when we're in that state, <clears throat> we really need the tools of the healer. We need somebody like you. And I think that's where the energy work comes in. So let's talk a little bit about you know, the, the heart um, meditation and the, the breath work and, and biofield tuning, which I'm a huge fan of, um, and Reiki, which I'm also a huge fan of all those things. How, how do they also, those tools help us? Yeah, so beautiful. So what happened to me was first I went on this journey to discover the presence, the ground of being, like I just pointed to, that you can feel and beautiful teachers like Eckhart Tolle and Rupert Spira and Locke Kelly are some of the people I've worked with, right? That mm. bring us into that felt presence. And it's so, and, and we don't need any tools. We just need to be here. So that's beautiful. Or that is the tool. And 
then there's the there's the sort of accessing this subtle energy, this subtle level of consciousness and mind, and you know all of the tools like qigong and reiki and tuning forks and all of that helps to so this subtle energy, this vibrant liveness that's happening in the universe, we can hook into and become more and more aware of. And when we do, then we're accessing this kind of mm, energy that can both, um, it can like be of service to us and it can teach us and we can start to start to harness and channel it in our lives. I'm using my hands because that's how it feels like to me. It's like we can start to work with it, this energy that's arising um, in us as us. And so like tuning forks was one of the first tools that I started. And I started training with Eileen McCusick and studying tuning forks and noticing that when I, you know, placed a tuning fork in front of my heart and started to draw it out, you know, and I would get about a foot and a half away and I could feel this like tension that, that kind of arise, like a, a resistance is what she describes. Right. And so we start to feel like, oh, there's this whole energy field out here. And if we hold the fork in place, it will start to actually shift that energy field and some of the tension will start to drop away. And then we can start to see that actually where we physically feel pain or what we experience as emotional pain is actually stuck energy in our bodies. Um, in our fields. And so when we work with tools like breathwork and um, sound healing to free that energy, then the things that we experienced as hurt and emotional pain actually start to clear. Like we just don't feel it anymore. Like for me, I felt this deep sadness. Um, there was a lot of stuck sadness in my field. And when I started to clear it, it's like when I see something that's Mm, that I would have formally like felt like really deeply sad about actually instead what arises is love and compassion. So we start to see that we can actually alchemize our pain into love and compassion because everything is at its essence, love. We can start to experience the world actually as love. And so all these tools, I think are gateways and doorways into into that, into freeing, freeing what is uh, energetically resisting in our field and opening us to more love. That's so beautiful. And you do it so well. And sometimes we need help. We can't find it on our own. We need help. We need a group. We need mentors, facilitators, healers. And I know you offer that kind of stuff. So how, how do you work with people? Yeah, thank you. So I work with people uh, a number of ways. So I work with a number of one-on-one -on -one clients and we work over three to four months together to, uh, as I support them to, you know, work with these tools. We do biofield tuning and sound healing sessions. We do breath work and we do a lot of sitting together and releasing energy, going mm -hmm. in and finding those stuck parts and learning to find this ground of being that I pointed to and, learn to live from there. Um, that it's really deep work, but, and, you know, and helping people with meditation and use these other tools. And I run a group monthly, twice a month group where we do breath work and sound healing together as well. Um, and I do, I'm in the San Francisco Bay area. I do, um, about once a month breath work in person workshops as well. 
um, and working my way to do more of that. But um, yeah, for night now, those are the, those are my three main tools. That's wonderful. And Holly, how can people find you if they want to check out more of your work? Yeah. So all of this is at my website, heartmindalchemy.com. Mm, so go go check it out, everybody. And Holly, I wanted to thank you so much for being here and bringing all your beautiful wisdom and your presence to um, to us. It was super beautiful to see you, um, you know, just shine, just see you hold that as an example. Um, so thanks for sharing that. Thank you, Lisa. I'm just really honored to have a chance to be here. So thank you so much for inviting me. And thanks all of you for tuning in. Um, if you want to keep tuning in, don't forget to subscribe. I know you don't want to miss anything, so make sure you do that. If you want to find me, you can uh, find me at my website, lisacampion.com. I hope you stop over and visit and uh, leave me a message, send me an email. Um, I work mostly with psychics, healers, other sensitives, empaths to help them you know, really step into and train up their gifts because I just think the world needs all the healers it can get. And my mission in life is to create an army of healers to go out there and save the world. So need saving right about now. So thank you so much for being here, uh, right here on Mind, Body, Spirit FM. <laughs>